0: Welcome to Out of Rich Darkness. I'm Camille Savage-Kroll. And I'm Elena Chia. We're both professors at the University of Music in Freiburg, Germany. In this podcast, we reimagine the ways in which we learn and make music and explore how it can be part of a holistic, healthy way of being in the world.
1: recorded these interviews. What can we say? Life happened. It was a very challenging transition, coming back from being in lockdown and mostly restricted and finding a way to make music in person while keeping everyone safe.
0: So a few things slid by the wayside, but we're back and we're excited about this season. We interviewed three of our colleagues from the Music University of Freiburg and it was a great opportunity to hear about their ideas and their lives.
1: In this season of Out of Rich Darkness, we're interviewing colleagues of ours from the Freiburg University of Music. And our guest today is Ralf Schmidt, professor for jazz piano. Ralf is a pianist, arranger, composer, big band leader, and seeker of new sounds and techniques. He has performed internationally as a soloist and with his ensemble, Bossa Renova Trio. He's led the big bands of Copenhagen, Hamburg, Berlin, Stuttgart, and Frankfurt, And has collaborated with musicians of various genres, including Whitney Houston, Daniel Hope, Herbie Hancock, Natalie Cole, and many more. His musical theater piece, A Distant Drum, was premiered in 2014 at Carnegie Hall and in South Africa. Most recently, he's been performing shows that involve two grand pianos and two gloves equipped with digital sensors that allow him to create live effects using gestures in the air. In 2019, he used this setup to record his solo album, Pianuk. Rav is a prolific YouTuber and Instagrammer, and during the lockdown of 2020, he began a live stream series of remote song collaborations with, among others, the singer Paula Morenenbaum, and a series called Soil Music, which draws attention to the current climate crisis. Rav, welcome. It's great Thank to you. have you here, and we're really excited. To be doing this live for the very first time since we started the podcast
0: yeah this is also the first time it's been possible because of um, the I mean we, we started in the in the first lockdown and um, last semester we were all completely online as well when we when we did our, our course um, expanded the podcast into a course and yeah so this is a premiere very exciting very exciting to have students here with us as well absolutely Um it's very impressive when we hear your biography, like Elena just read it out. Yeah. I'm wondering though, if you could think back to when you were a little boy, and if you could tell us maybe what music meant to you as a child. And maybe there are even um, specific experiences or or something particular that you remember what was your musical life like as a, as a kid?
2: I remember really wanting to have music in my life. There was a, a famous story uh, of me claiming um, a grand piano, or not a grand piano, a piano, an upright piano. Of course, I wanted a grand piano, but uh, it ended up being an upright. I think my father bought it for, I think, 80 Deutsche Mark at wow. the time. Wow. <laughs> From a balcony, it was standing outside. <laughs> it was the only possibility possibility my parents had and uh, with some friends they carried it to our home and this 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 upright piano was always uh, a half step uh, lower than 440 okay. so <laughs> i was brought up until i was 18 in a, a half step lower in the old was, music scene <laughs> which was which was interesting because i could not um, play on this piano with others because it it was 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 simply a half step away and um, this so this this sounds very um, I mean, of course, I had this. I had a lot of moments when I was just sitting myself with the piano and, and enjoying and, and really getting getting into it. But on the other hand, I think the most impressive things that kept me going with music uh, when I was a child were the social moments, because uh, we were my family was attached to to many gatherings, meetings with friends where there was music played. It was very natural that they were starting to play music. My father plays the guitar, started to sing. And others picked up instruments or, or started to sing, and these were so, so such regular occasions mm-hmm. that I don't remember a single one, but I just remember it was a it was a, a regular thing going on. And I think this this is probably the most the thing that kept me going with music. And of mm-hmm. course, there were there's a lot of single moments I recall on really being immersed in a in a in a musical situation. I remember one one moment especially. Uh, When I was listening, listening to um, we had a very particular uh, uh, LP collection. Uh, I remember the 32 Beethoven Sonatas played by (laughs) Barenboim. And um, this was something that was really one impressive thing. And there was a jazz collection, a a collection of Brazilian music. And I remember listening to a jazz record and listening to the walking bass And there was something going on bodily with me, and I still remember the feeling I was lying on the floor, maybe six, seven years old or so. And And I really felt the groove somewhere else than just recognizing, oh, this is a grooving or nice music. It was it was a this was a deep experience as a child. Wow. Yeah.
0: And that's something that is beautiful how you explain that, because you really see that still in your work today mm-hmm. the um, joy that you have making music with other people um, you have this really fantastic solo project right now mm-hmm. but um, I, I've really noticed when you are sharing your process also through the, the pandemic um, it's been yeah it's been really neat to see how you, um, how you collaborate with other people um, could you maybe talk a little bit about that? What makes a good collaboration for you?
2: Yes, I, I mean this is something I'm, I'm, I had to think a lot about when I started to, to teach here in the school because you also you, you don't just want to raise or help or invite uh, students to to become better soloists, but also to be, become group players or even lead a group, because this is what we all have to do. We have to somehow, let's call it teaching or or just just somehow leading leading music sit, musical situations, and um, so I've, I found out that. Of course, I mean this sounds banal, but it's very important to listen and and uh, we <laughs> to read the room to <laughs> see what what is happening in 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 the room and what is happening in the air. Of course, what 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 sound is is there, and then and then trying to to bring something in that, that that makes sense according to you. But it's also very important. I found out to change the role very quickly between a a, a simple sailor and a and a captain <laughs> because you have to be a captain sometimes, otherwise. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I think it's not everybody's equal in an ensemble situation. Even not in a duo situation, there are c- captain roles and really so servant roles, I would say. And to switch this and to to make it on a fine scale to be a little bit the captain or the second captain and then whatever, you know, I think this is the the beauty of of, of ensemble. Uh, of, of playing together. And the bigger the ensemble becomes, I think, the less democratic it can be. Mm-hmm. This is what I found out. I'm mm-hmm. sorry to say, but, <laughs> but so, it's very difficult. You have to play really long time if you're a big ensemble uh, and you don't want to have uh, some kind of leading person involved.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you talk about with your musical partners before you start a collaboration? Like who's going to steer things? or? Or is it something that you just, you talked about reading the room, is it something that you you notice, a certain dynamic, now I need to take responsibility or now I'm giving it up? Yeah. How does that
2: work for you? It completely depends on the situation. If you enter, a, a, a let's say, a radio ensemble rehearsal, if it's a choir or a big band, Monday morning at 10, you don't talk about who's leading the no. thing because <laughs> you, you don't want to talk about... These things because they are set, right. and if you're the chief conductor, you can you can do this. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's uh, in the evening in the in the bar or so. But uh, but in other situations, yes, it's sometimes it's very important to define roles, and it's 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 wonderful to talk, especially if you have long time collaborators, mm-hmm. and you can really get deeper into 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 these into these roles mm-hmm. and think about yourself what what you want to bring out in that in that musical moment and how much the other one lets you bring that out and, and all that. It's, I think it's, it's good to talk about it, but definitely not if you're too fresh or if the, if the situation is too um, too set up. In certain standard setups, we are used to be. I mean, right, Elena, nervous. you played in a in a in a symphony orchestra. Right. This is standardised yeah. mm, right. thing. Conductor comes and good morning, and then we start. And you don't want to question that in that moment. Maybe mm-hmm. not. Maybe it could be good. <laughs> I don't do it. You could, but it might get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, deeply in trouble. <laughs>
1: but do you think that's something that also can happen on a, a on an unspoken basis, where with people that you really know very well? It just becomes clear. Okay, now I'm taking over. I'm the captain for mm-hmm. a while, and now I'm I'm really I'm giving up the lead, like during performance.
2: Totally, totally. And I think there's even a a third um, thing happening there. I mean, you're you're in a social situation from a duo upwards, but you're also in another situation because giving up control can also be done on another level because you can just. Leave the thing, and when mm-hmm. you go on stage, or when you when you start to 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 rehearse something, you can just let it go and let go of of, of expectations. I mean, you still have to follow what you what you do, but it's a different thing if you if you really want to cut through the thing and 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 really and really do what you intended to do, and not being ready to give up your will in that moment. And I think that's a third relation mm-hmm. that's ongoing, yeah. and this is something I i I took me years or decades to discover this
1: okay so if i if I understand what you mean is you go out with a certain intention mm-hmm. and another you decide this is what I'm gonna do, no matter what happens, yes, or you have this intention and it remains flexible depending on what happens with the others is that is that what you're saying
2: no it's I think it's more um if you get into a situation, I think it's very good to have an artistic vision for that situation or an artistic plan for that situation. It's very good to to stay true to it because it's something that it's not to be compromised. It's, it's very dangerous if you're in a certain situation and, and you think, oh, my audience, I think they don't like it. They're so quiet. Mm. Uh, let me do, do this less, whatever, less complicated i mean maybe it has something to it but it's not 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 what i mean it's more let the situation go if you if you if you start mm-hmm. to play music or if you start to rehearse music there are things happening that are unexpected mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. and sometimes these things can make your music and to let them in mm-hmm. is oftentimes what this is uh, what i experienced more important than what you intended to do. (laughs) And it's it's a fine line between that and giving up an artistic vision or giving up the plan that you made, of course, and you can have a very clear plan. You can have a a plan of ten minutes rehearsing this, then talking to this uh, person about the drum solo and then then going on this this plan you can follow. But but maybe the drummer has something completely different in mind and you think, oh, this is what I never want to hear. (laughs) and and then and then you maybe keep it because it's it's something other something else comes comes out of it
1: but i think i think i get it now because i think um it seems like you're saying if if you notice some kind of vibes from the audience that make you feel insecure Mm -hmm. make you abandon your artistic integrity Mm -hmm. that's what you don't want to do (laughs)
2: <laughs> in a way not i mean it's it's hard to play a full evening beside i mean not not aiming at your audience of course it's it's about it's about trying to to get into communication but i think it's it's the it's the question of of how how commercial how approachable you want to be and and mm-hmm. i think it's it's something you don't want to think about too much i think you want to think more about what mm-hmm. you Want to bring out of yourself? Mm-hmm.
1: It's such uh, a fine line, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. that's a um, you. When you say communicating with the audience, you you always get vibes from the audience, right? You always yeah. pick up on on what's going on there to a certain extent. And I think it is such a fine line to to know what it is that only you can give in that moment, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and and to distinguish that from the negative voice that will tell you uh, they think it's all crap totally.
2: <laughs> you should stop doing what you're doing
1: yeah. totally. um, do you have a, a technique for navigating that or is it just one evening it's like this and another evening it's like that
2: I think it's what you just said I mean <laughs> you, you cannot force it and I, I think the the best example is the second night the typical second night thing you did something it doesn't have to be a premiere but you had a, a great experience with something that worked and then you try to repeat it the next night or in the next teaching situation it could be the same thing and you try to apply it again and I, I i'm sure it won't work because it's it's the magic of something that was just just there in that mm-hmm. moment and um so i i don't have I, I try not to have too many expectations and of course there are these nights when you have a really special concert and you know this and this person is in the audience and you want to impress. This is something <laughs> is hard to get ar- <laughs> <laughs> around. I and I imagine. still have it. and I try to get rid of it. I'm trying to somehow meditate it away or try to, to, to stay with the music. or I mean, there's tons of techniques, mm-hmm. but it's still very hard. And I think the worst, um, let's say, mistakes or sometimes also technical things, you know a cable is not working and you have a Mm -hmm. you have a noise or things just don't work or you have a bad piano or so they happen exactly that night for (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah that person is in the audience because he wanted
0: right (laughs) how do you deal with those situations where things go wrong um if i may i remember being in a concert where you had a technical malfunction and i was really amazed at how how cool and in the moment you at least outwardly appeared to be yeah. <laughs> and just i mean i think maybe everyone assumes with these technical gloves that you have that it's new technology and things of course are still in sort of a testing phase yeah. and and everybody just kind of goes with it but you managed somehow to to readjust and get things going again and yeah. then without without losing the um, without losing the attention and the the atmosphere that you had created just mm-hmm. because you stayed <laughs> you stayed somehow in your vibe but mm-hmm. it wasn't it also wasn't this like I'm super cool and I have everything under control you just kind of gave us a little bit of a a peek into what was going on mm-hmm. and it was clear you were still focused on the music and you had to adjust the technical stuff but mm-hmm. but how do you do that i mean that would that would really bring some people i out mean of first there. of all
2: i think it's very beneficial if you do this for many years playing music on stage <laughs> i think <laughs> then you you are just used to these situations more and more i think if this happens to you at at 24 it's definitely different than at yeah. 44 right. i would say because you are you know that it will happen and mm-hmm. i know already um, if Corona allows us to play more concerts in our lives, then it will happen. I will have major problems in a, <laughs> in a stage situations. Embarrass the most embarrassing. <laughs> that will just happen. Yeah. And it's not just the, the, the technique or the cable or something that, that goes wrong. It can also be yourself not being yeah. good at that moment or, mm-hmm. or you're not satisfying for yourself. Um, I would say that, um, and this is also something that, that took me so long to to understand. I think I haven't completely understood that for the audience, the most interesting moment is or the most the most valuable is the more honest yeah. you, you you show yourself. Mm-hmm. And and of course and, and it has to do I mean this is, is like a fashion word now vulnerability, but it's it's a it's it's the key to so many things happening around you if you mm-hmm. if you if you stay per if you try to stay perfect it it it, it won't work mm-hmm. and people will sense it if you look at these shows that are just too perfect they not don't touch me but mm-hmm. if somebody really admits or you see how it's done mm-hmm. and um, if sometimes i can allow it sometimes not because i mean it's 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 very tough to be fully open
0: mm-hmm. in that
2: situation. And it's, I mean, still you have to be professional, and, and then right. all these things go around in your right. head. Or people pay money for this, and and then of course the, right. it's a tough market. I mean, let's face it. So you think immediately about values and 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 all these things, especially after the concert. Maybe not in between when it's completely complicated, and you need to want. To, we are in resolve mode. You just <laughs> think, how can I resolve mm-hmm. this quickly? But, but yeah. then after the concert, you—it's really hard to get rid of it mm-hmm. immediately. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I actually
0: know. loved that moment, and also in, when I think about other concerts I've been to where things have not gone quite right, where I've noticed that the artist kind of lets me in for yeah. a second on what they're what they're processing in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel a sense of like hyper alertness when that happens. <laughs> Um, and you realize that you're experiencing something that is is only in this moment, mm-hmm. um, and that is something that's so special and amazing about live music. So, um, totally. yeah, I think a call to everyone to just realize that those are can those moments when things don't go right can yeah. also be an opportunity um, for your audience to maybe even experience something that they wouldn't have otherwise.
2: Totally, yeah. Yeah, I, there was one moment when I when I when it got kind of a um, a certification, and it it was um, a couple of years ago. I went to Baden-Baden to see the Berlin Philharmonic, and Reddle was conducting. And there mm. was, it was I think ninth symphony. It was like <laughs> big, big, and 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 there was a moment. It was a long concert. And I think they had played nights and nights before, and the orchestra was falling in a certain moment was falling apart rhythmically. It was very obvious. I mean, it's the brilliant <laughs> <laughs> <Get> film. <laughs> They're hot. amazing, They're the best. <laughs> and you could see that that even Simon Rattle himself felt it, and he really had to fight for some moments. And it was interesting because this moment stick to me much more than the other beautiful stuff that had happened because the performance was great, and it was it was a mm. wonderful concert, oh. and and. Im- impressive soloists within the, within the concert it was there was so many impressive moments but i remember that and it was so it was a so human right yes mm-hmm. it was very human yeah. and yeah. the music in that moment was really good yeah. it was the interesting thing yeah. it was not perfect you would not right. press it on a vinyl but oh. it was good music
0: yeah
2: well mm-hmm.
1: they used to press that on vinyl <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true <yeah. laughs> right but um speaking of technology of course, always, there's also the advantage to all the technology that you have, which is the innovation that you've been able to create in your music. And um, I'm wondering, what came first in your process? Was it the um, the availability of this technology and then you deciding to integrate that into your music? Or did you notice a desire to do something that required this extra technology and you went looking for it?
2: I'm, I had the the... I think my desire came from somewhere else. It, it was um, uh, the desire to, to combine two things that are very essential to me. And one is piano playing or thing, uh, music, uh, things in music, uh, essential things in music. And the other one is uh, writing music for, for big ensembles. It's just something I love to do. And and um, I studied a lot of techniques in, in, in writing to get the most colors out of a a large ensemble situation and I I love to work with that. So uh, I tried to combine at a certain point and I I realized that years later that that was the desire to do, to to combine the search for color, for new color Mm -hmm. in the piano. Um, So I had a phase, a certain phase when I was starting with this uh, all John Cage related stuff and even more, I didn't only use the stuff he used, I I used more um, more toys to, to bring the piano to make this piano sound nicer. But then I realized it's it was the um, the, the, it was was maybe around 2004, 2006, when I realized, wow, it's the electronic It's a digital age already. Mm -hmm. I have to use electronics to create more sound. It doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense to to give it up to the DJs and guitarists Mm -hmm. to to really have heavy electronics on stage. And this is how I started. And then some. For some tools or or things that I even gave up later because they were not, not working or some, some stay with me. I was really fighting to, to get them in certain things that the guitar um, uh, taught me to do, because the guitarists, they have decades. they are decades ahead in mm-hmm. that, yeah. getting more colors to yeah. their instruments. Uh, from the pianist, the piano has stayed always the same. It's a, it's a it's a great instrument, but it mm-hmm. it, it needs some
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> it needs some <laughs> renovation, <laughs> <Yeah>. some <laughs> movement,
2: and um, and others just came to me uh, unexpectedly. For example, the gloves were recommended uh, by um, a, a composer from Leipzig, uh, uh, Fabian Rus. He works a lot mm-hmm. for, at the Radial System in Berlin, and they got the gloves as a try try out in a tryout situation. And they didn't find them so useful for what they do, so he called me and said, Listen, why don't you try these gloves? And this is sometimes how it how it, how it works. And some some other situation I really worked for months and years on certain technical wishes I had and just to make them come true. So it's it's mm-hmm. not linear, I would mm-hmm. say.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah. And
1: how many people thought you were completely nuts for having <laughs> Two grand pianos on stage that well, you play by yourself.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it came that way because um, I had that project that was... I was a, an artist in residence in, in Norway in, I think it was 2016. And um, I was I alri- already knew, and this was something new in my life, but I felt it, I need to do it um, to, to do a solo project, which I never had. And I always avoided solo because I like playing with, uh, with other people. But I felt I needed to... to to do some music without compromise, because in the end it's always about getting something, uh, doing something together. And then I had I started this project. I went to Norway. I started experimenting with, with songs, with technical settings. The gloves were not even there yet. There mm. were other technical settings. So I I had this piano, electro, digital setting and some I composed a suite in Norway. Um, dedicated to the elements. So I had these four movements, maybe 25 minutes of music or so. And then I came back um, to Germany and I already knew I had an opportunity at the ZKM, the Center for Art and Media in Karlsruhe, which is a little bit like Centre Pompidou, like a, like a great uh, innovative art space. And they offered me um, a, a production. I don't know how many weeks we stayed, but it was really luxurious. It's an amazing studio, the Kubus Studio um, with, with great facilities. And the thing is, we we came in and I had some pieces for for grand piano and some pieces plus electronics and some pieces for prepared piano plus electronics. And so the studio boss came and said, OK, listen, in this grand piano, don't even think of (laughs) putting any John Cage stuff in or don't even think of touching the strings. So half of my repertoire was basically gone. And then but there was this other piano. And so it ended up so my uh, the light artist I was working with, Pietro said, oh, why don't you use two grand pianos? I said, no, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is <laughs> opening up for something.
1: Yeah. So and it was the light artist.
2: Yes. So, so half an hour later, yeah. I was between these pianos. I said, no, this is something it's impossible to do. <laughs> and then I ended up doing it. It, it. it was beautiful.
0: Well, that's a really great example of what can happen when we collaborate with people exactly. who are not musicians. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Something mm-hmm. we yeah. talk about a lot. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, can you t- Tell us a little bit about what you're working on now. You've been putting a lot of teasers on social media, and um, I think it sounds really exciting. Um, I don't know how much you want to say, but um
2: yeah, I can say something about it. Um, of course, um, the the next level after doing going solo. Um, as, you, as you said before, uh, was going on in collaborations, various collaborations. I did it also in, in some concerts, but of course, I started the collaborations in, uh, in my podcast that started in, in Corona times, where I invited guests. But uh, I found out that with certain duo partners, and one is, is, is uh, um, from, from our school, is Steine, uh, that I played some concerts. We were in Norway, in Switzerland. Uh, This combination works very well, for example, but also with other partners, with my longtime friend and and collaborator, Joe Kraus, for example. He also works with live electronics. We know each other so well. So there was I felt that this project is more than a solo project. I felt the duo possibility and maybe even even a bigger possibility and and finding space for that setting in in other situations. Um, But then Um, It was a long time dream to write a piano concerto for that setting. Really to be with a large ensemble, like the big piano concertos have been an orchestra and a a soloist. And I thought I could, I could exploit my setting in an orchestral or large ensemble uh, context plus i could uh, establish new forms of interaction because in the in the even in the in the solo piano concert where you have a cadenza or some some free moment you d- you never interact because everything is written so I've, i started to get interested in ensembles that could that have the poss- possibilities to interact and then um, uh, martina taubenberger who who runs a great festival in munich um, a festival out of the box she knew about that and we talked about that and and she said the next moment, the next possibility I have, I will commission you a a piano concerto. And now it worked out and we don't work with an orchestra, but we work with a combination of a vocal ensemble and a chamber orchestra. And the vocal ensemble are the Trondheim Voices. It's a, a very unique, wonderful ensemble of about six to 12 female singers. And they have live electronics with them, very unique, only exclusive to them. They're called the Mecha Trolls. These are little tools they carry on their um, on their hips and they they can press some knobs. And um, in the moment of playing, uh, having a loop function available, a reverb and other other effects that they can uh, put in and and put out and, and can use and they create create i mean the nordic sound of course is is already amazing but they do it with live electronics mm. so they are they are they are just it's a unique sound mm. they can offer but they can be interactive that was mm. interesting and there's a chamber orchestra from stockholm the u modernt also very open minded and a great orchestra um, and I wrote this piano concerto, it's done. Mm-hmm. I finished it a week ago. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. congratulations! Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes, and Elena wrote <laughs> lyrics for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: In a surprise it, turn of events. Yes, it's, <laughs> a surprise <laughs> turn of events, <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was a funny story because I <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> let's admit that let's be vulnerable. <laughs> I, I wrote some lyrics to some parts of it. There was a libretto that that's uh, that that we use for certain parts. But for the opening, I didn't find the right rhythm in my li- in in the libretto. So I I wrote some lyrics and I sent them uh, to Camille and Elena, <laughs> and they were very polite to me. But the <laughs> message was <laughs> okay. You're not a native speaker. It can be done better, <laughs> and it was so polite. Uh, <laughs> but I understood it, <laughs> and, then, and then I wrote wonderful lyrics that are, of course, really better. It's hard to say good and good and bad, but this is really I can say there definitely a lot, a lot. I'm very deeper. pleased that you're happy. <laughs> yes, totally. And um, and I got a uh, sneak
1: peek into the score, which looks amazing. Yeah. So that's very exciting too. Yes.
2: <laughs> so this piece is done. Really cool. Yeah. And yeah, it's hard to hard to say, but probably there will be a, a, a problem this winter. We are approaching <laughs> oh. it, and we don't know it yet. But oh. it, it feels like because I got yeah. in the last four days, I got basically canceled my whole winter. Mm. Wow. I was meant to go, uh, planning to go to Austria next next Friday and three Mm -hmm. weeks later again, Mm -hmm. and this was canceled immediately Mm -hmm. and all the other stuff, too. Mm -hmm. And Munich, we are still waiting a little bit, but things Mm -hmm. don't look good at the moment. Mm -hmm. It's close to Austria. Yes. And but we will if maybe we do it in January or maybe we just postpone it to a to a later date.
0: Mm. It will will happen. Yes, it will happen. Yeah, definitely. Well, yes. I'd like to maybe change gears for just a second, and then we'll see if we have any questions from our audience. Um, Ralf, I know that you care deeply about things other than music, and one of them is the climate. Exactly. Um, Can you... Tell us how do music and climate come together for you?
2: Well, it's on different levels. I think, in a in a way, if you think music as a universal force, it it's very, it's very clear that it has to do with everything. So mm-hmm. it affects affects you, and we have, we are in a in a dramatic situation, I would say, and. Um, of course, we are all affected as human beings from it, and uh, it it reflects in the music first of all, and then, um, so I think the music changes definitely. Uh, it doesn't have to be super concrete. Not every piece of music now has to be about the climate change mm-hmm. or reflected in uh, in words or in lyrics or in in the in the making of it. But um, it's it's still. I mean, music is a is a is a mirror of the of the present and this is very present in our heads and i think if we are if we have open sensors for the world around us it will it will come back through the music that is produced today i think mm-hmm. um and on the other on the other hand i think music can play a big role in it because i think um musicians can be um i mean artists can can walk in the avant-garde um, mode, and they can they can just they can I it's hard it's hard to say for me in English. They can they can walk ahead. They get they can they can really project things that are in the future. This is something yeah. I think that an artist mm-hmm. could be capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Some artists maybe they have other other tasks to do, but it's it's mm-hmm. a possibility that we really predict what's going to happen and 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 find solutions and. This is one thing that we are maybe trained to be sensitive enough to feel that there's something coming and we have to look for solutions. And the other thing is we are trained to be creative, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is one of my, of my concerns also in a school like this, mm-hmm. that we really train people and these people train the next generation to really be creators because I think we really need to be massively creative to resolve mm-hmm. this. We need to be massively sensitive uh communicative and creative to resolve that and i think this is all a musician can have ideally Mm
0: -hmm. so that's
2: that's how i see it yeah Yeah. it doesn't make it better necessarily (laughs) because it's still there but might be a an angle
0: yeah so it's a, a way of going through the world and and letting what is happening in the world affect you as an artist not Mm. shutting it out and then being open to possibilities of creating maybe ways of being in the future being a part of of that
2: totally i mean there were so many opportunities already i was surprised of of how many activist scenarios there are Mm -hmm. where music makes the thing Mm -hmm. it's not just an add-on. It's not just like a nice, nice poster have, or yeah. a cool <laughs> sticker or something or a, a, a the best post on Facebook or so. Mm. It can be really the essential thing yeah. uh, f- for the for small and big things. So of course I'm trying to help here. Uh, I never played at a at a big um, one of these uh, fries for future events or so, mm-hmm. but but um, I was always involved a little bit in this situation and try to. Uh, try to help here and there at non, not only for big big events but also small mm-hmm. actions to be taken so this is something that that is interesting and then uh, I mean you know it because we did this together uh, we started together a group at the school uh, in the beginning we really protested heavily mm-hmm. and took a day off or at least a morning mm-hmm. off to discuss about it not playing mm-hmm. music or practicing but meeting and then and learning about how we can react to it right. and I think that was powerful because we are an academic institution yeah and we uh, we should have the power to reflect this on a deeper level and really learn on a deep level right mm-hmm.
0: right yeah I mean this course was also um, born out of that initiative and yeah. and a need to have um, what I do in the Hochschule um, be be anchored in what I believe and in what I feel strongly about, and um, and making art and educating and being aware of our world and of of other people. Um, I felt I needed to integrate that mm-hmm. more. So even though the climate is not the only focus in this in this course, um, this was actually the podcast and this um, were were sort of things that that were born out of that. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see where the roots go and where maybe new branches and, and leaves will, will form. And, and who knows what you guys are going to do? Um, <laughs> I'm looking at that students. Um, there are already some really fantastic ideas cooking um, Absolutely. here in this room that have nothing to do with us. And I, I really like what you say. It,
1: it's not exactly activism that you're talking about but you're talking about creativity Mm -hmm. and being receptive to um, to your feelings about what's happening in the world and then creating something out of those feelings because i think that's such an important step that not many people are able to take there's so many people talking about um about climate depression climate anxiety and and feeling that they have no recourse they have no no power and um and it may not actually bring about anything to create a piece of music but you actually don't know what that influences other people to do and so maybe it is a kind of a form of activism to even be uh to be creative and to be vulnerable enough to to let these difficult feelings in and use them to to produce something
2: that can that can activate people's hearts totally <laughs> to, to do and- something. And I want to add to that that the experience of creative process is is very important. Um, I, I, I o- always read the news about the new mobility concepts and it's very interesting that we have the electric car now as a possibility and you can bash the electric car because of course it creates a lot of problems where do the batteries go and, and such and such and how do we load that. Um, and, and there are for other solutions there is also up... Um, Positive and negative um, feedback, but i from what I experience in the creative process that it's not the first idea that brings you somewhere, so yeah. I, sometimes I think right. people calm down, let these guys do the electro car three point zero or four point mm-hmm. zero or four point five, and then we can look at something you don't you will not be successful with one point zero mm-hmm. I mean I was never
0: mm-hmm. it can be
2: a good yeah. idea, but to bring a good idea and this is what we learned from the old masters also if you mm-hmm. read the sketchbooks of beethoven or so uh-huh. mm-hmm. he has a great idea but then getting it to inform mm-hmm. he has to fight and he has to create the 3.0 and so on <laughs> so i think this is something you that can encourage people or where we should really i try to get more into this this is something that i'm really tra- actively trying to do uh, to to reach more people that are in these trying to create solutions for the future and really sharing about a creative process with them and telling them not to to let go after the first disappointment right because if there's big money into it it's always uh, there's sometimes big mis- bis- big mistakes are done yeah. you have to be you have to let go in a way mm-hmm. you have the idea of constructing an electric car and then you have to let it go somewhere but you have to be persistent and, and mm-hmm. stay with it mm-hmm. so we really Get a, a solution that that makes sense, and I think hmm. this is possible. Come it kind on. of yeah.
1: comes full circle to, <laughs> in a way, but the way you were talking about having your own artistic integrity, and and not letting the audience feedback disturb you too much, but yeah. really sticking to that. Totally. And of course, you take in a little bit of the feedback, but you yeah. still follow your path. Totally. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Do you guys have questions you would like to? Ask? Yeah? Oh, we'll trade places.
1: I want to jump back to the moment when you talked about getting in contact with the audience. Mm-hmm. And I asked myself if there's a difference between being on stage as a soloist and being on stage with the group, if the contact with the audience is different when you're alone on your own. Mm-hmm.
2: Definitely. Definitely. This is something I had to learn and I, I, I really gained so much respect from people going center stage in the center light um, and, and really sharing what they have to share with the audience. Because I, so many years I was in that, in that other role, I was supporting these people and I really became experienced in supporting people so they can bring out their best center stage this is, a, is something that I really like to do, but you understand so much better if you, if you have done it. And I really had to change my, my, my behavior <laughs> and my, well, my thinking, I, I would say, because I never had to think so much about myself. This sounds a bit selfish, but, but it's, it's not that. It's more thinking, how, what do I want to bring out? What do I want to tell people in that night? What narrative do I want to follow? What is my message? And this is something that you, I, that I could only experience being a soloist, and that's what it was already worth for. And and I, I think there's a long path to go because I'm not a natural. Um, we call it a rampen, so a, a guy walking in the middle of the stage and and saying hello, here I am. That's why I probably I choose in, my, in my yeah exactly <laughs> a predator. Yes, that's why I probably chose in my in my in so many years of my musical uh, doing. To be some somebody that's that's kind of the musical director and 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 supporting, I think it comes very natural. But on the other hand, I realized I have this other thing that I want to do, so I I I needed to do it, and and um, I I had to really change my my approach to go on stage. It's really different because you're more vulnerable. You have you. It's, it's more direct. You get more back in both respects. The positive thing is, is stronger. It's more. It's, uh, there's more victory. But there's also the other side. Uh, if the evening is not working well, it starts from the beginning. If, no people, if there are no people in the audience, only you look through the curtain and you only see, oh, 25 people, I was expecting 200. It has to do with you. If you're with an ensemble, it just, it's just different.
1: Thank you. Anyone else?
2: Uh, I wanted to ask, uh, I heard that you were uh, for um, for some time in New York and I wanted to ask you how was that different from Germany being a musician in New York and here? Oh, there are a lot of fixed aspects. I mean, it's... Um, it's a very tough scene, obviously, but that's probably the same in, 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 in big cities. It's it's very tough, but the competitive vibe is is really extreme. But on the other hand, it's um I don't want to say it's a fair system, but it's a system where, where, where you have a, a taxi driver and you know that the next day this guy could conduct the New York Philharmonic. I'm exaggerating <laughs> a little bit, but, but it's possible. It's just possible because so many people are Greek. I mean, you're the expert, Ellen. I'm not the expert. I lived for a couple of years. in. Ellen. I left. Yeah? I left. Yes. I, I fled. <laughs> yeah, I left too. I left too because it's, it's very hard to get a, a, a straight work-life balance in, in this city. But um, there was there's one quote that I really like uh, when you when, and this is what I can completely uh, relate to uh, when you when when I entered especially Manhattan and I I went out of in, in into Manhattan a lot of times because I had a family already so I had to make some money so sometimes I was flying to Europe or somewhere else just to to, to play gigs and then com, coming back home to Manhattan where, where, where they lived. Um, so whenever I entered the city, I felt a, 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 an electricity. I felt a, a really, I was really vibrating bodily. I would say when I was there, and of course it, it's exciting to be in Manhattan, especially in the in the '90s. It was it was a magic time to me. I think some people say the '70s or '80s were We, we were there at the than,
1: same time. Yes, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it had an amazing energy, and of course I I learned a lot about music it's it's uh, it's a great place to learn about music to um to get into a lot of scenes to really be ex um, uh, well you're exposed very quickly to scenes because people they think ah interesting this german guy let's let's take him for something and uh, this is very open it's much easier to get into networks it was my feeling maybe it was it was a coincidence, but I felt that I was getting into it very quickly, but then delivering was on another level than in Germany, definitely to deliver something there and even a lead sheet or something some something very simple or a, a simple solo on a on a on a tune or so you really had to deliver high level, otherwise you could immediately sense the reaction. You would not be called anymore and I think it's easy to get in in a way, but it's easy to to be dropped out. But it was, I mean, the energy. Um, sometimes I cannot believe that we are thinking of going back to the US for a while because we we our kids are go, gone soon. So in, 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 in one or two years, we have the possibilities of, of going abroad. And we are thinking of going to the West Coast for a while because we love the West Coast and especially San Francisco. But sometimes when I look at the US, I'm so shocked. But anytime I enter the country and I meet the people, the dear people, I love this this country and I, I love New York. May it be rude and 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 everything. I, I'm just a big fan of it. But looking off on it to it from the outside, it, it it just makes me worry a lot because it's it's a, a country in a deep crisis, I would say. So it was different back then, and I had a, I had a, a very positive view about it when I came there. So maybe this made my experience there. I was really craving to go there. Thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we should probably wrap this up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I I only have one more question. Do you? Go for it. Okay, It actually maybe connects to the last question, because you just mentioned um, crisis. Mm -hmm. and um, you were speaking about the U.S., but um, there are crises of many kinds going on in the world right now, and I feel like this pandemic has also magnified a lot of things that were already happening, Um, and now we we see them maybe even more clearly, maybe because we've been at home and had a lot of time to think about it. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but my last question to you would be, when you reflect on the last one and a half years, coming upon two years um, since this pandemic started, um, what would you say that you personally have learned in this time, or or how have you changed?
2: I think a lot of windows opened up to me but they i don't know if they necessarily have to do with the pandemic mm-hmm. um and this is very this is a very now kind of analysis what i'm doing i, I could be different tomorrow or or the mm-hmm. day after but um my current status is that there are a couple of meta problems that we should somehow resolve and i don't know how to resolve them really but I just maybe by identifying them um, we could we could approach them in a way and I think this the the, as you mentioned sitting home sitting at home and really re-reflecting on what you want to do what how is how is how is my life how can a crisis like this happen Uh, of course there are a lot of reasons Um, but but let's I, I I'm just trying to find the biggest symptoms or the biggest or the biggest um, the biggest problems that we have to that we have to, to resolve. And I think one problem is and it and it's it's something that many people and I just had a discussion with a student in my room about it is the is the gender thing. It's yeah. it's it's as simple as it is and and many people don't don't want to hear it anymore. But I think it is a huge problem that that uh, that we need more equality in uh, in in the in the institutions that really have power to change things. This is a it's a it's a, an enormous thing, and it might sound already past or not the hippest thing, but it is something that that needs really to be taken seriously. I think this is a, a meta solution for so many things because I think the balance will. If we achieve balance in uh, certain in certain situations these institutions or, or, or um, groups can really develop something that, that leads to to heal yeah. Yeah. Um, and same thing um, well everything in, in, in the diversity uh, field is, is very very important I just discovered that the gender issue is such a, a crucial thing and of mm-hmm. course yeah. it's terrible what happens in. Regards to to racism, all, all these things, um, and it will also will also play a crucial role. So this is one thing, and the other thing that it has a lot a lot, a lot to do with my artistic um, uh, my artistic goals. Uh, I think technology has a has two two sides. Very obviously, and it has to it shows the worst sides in uh, in these fa- Facebook algorithms. Just Brought out recently it's, it 's and, and other things i mean mm-hmm. making making so many people getting in in strange situations to whatever mm-hmm. uh, strange situation they use it um, but on the other hand, I think technology is 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 one of the keys because we are so mm-hmm. many people in the world now it mm-hmm. 's impossible to resolve uh, feeding these people, transporting these people commu- having these people communicate without technology, so the the key will be to really define and explore the good sides of technology, and yes. I think if you downscale this to my project, I think it's it's sometimes it's it feels very silly to me to put on data gloves and to play music because I can I can play a piano without data gloves, and it, it will work in, in 50 years and in 500 years probably if we still exist <laughs> then. And sometimes I think, oh, what am I doing here? It's 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 very silly and have all the cables with me, have a suitcase, and then things don't work, you know, and. <laughs> you know how it is um and sometimes we could just throw the laptop out of the window because <laughs> right. we, we just, yeah. it just doesn't bring us anywhere right. we think it would be so much simpler if i just had a pencil mm-hmm. and a piece of paper but then we realize that it's 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 imp- just important to have it and it's there's no way back in a way right. and so this is my second meta theme mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i discover so mm. i think I didn't go through, through a crisis at that point. Mm-hmm. I think, I, sometimes I think I'm getting into a crisis starting today because <laughs> there were, in the last days there were so many cancellations. Yeah. And I think, oh, not again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully I, I don't want to enter one. I, 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 I thought it was nice to, to slow the pace a little bit because I was, sometimes it was too fast. So yeah. I enjoyed being home and thinking about things, doing other forms of creative work. Um, but it was not definitely not a crisis it was a, a fruitful mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. it was more what I'm talking about now is more watching the world and thinking wow what can I contribute yeah. to, to, to resolve these situations yeah. Yeah. but as is, I said this is today, maybe tomorrow yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I come to new conclusions <laughs> to be
0: continued
1: yeah. yeah, but those are great thoughts for closing our podcast today
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. You're thank so you so welcome. Such Great a pleasure time. to do this live. Yes, <laughs> yeah, amazing. Absolutely.
1: Yes. And thank you to our students who joined us. Thank you for listening to Out of Rich Darkness. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take the time to leave us a review so that more people can find us.
0: You can help us grow our community of positive change by engaging with us. What's on your mind? Who should we talk to next? We'd love to hear from you on social media.